of all, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you on. Welcome to the podcast. Thank and you. I'm super You're grateful. all fancy with your little microphone and I'm like super, super, super it's about really it. It's really awkward that I have it this close to my face. But for whatever reason, when I was testing the audio, it wasn't picking up the volume how I wanted it because I want our voices to kind of match. So it has to be this Cool. Close. One day you have to teach me about how you edit and whatnot because I've been really interested in start of sort of creating more and usually um, like multimedia stuff is not my forte. So I'll take some photos. But even then, once I take those photos, I envision this like way that I want to modify the photo without like the technical capabilities on the computer to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And so like I have all these ideas for, um, you know, videos and audio recordings and et cetera, et cetera. But I've just like always created with my hands because I'm so scared of technology like I'm terrified of technology like both of my parents are computer scientists who like work in technology and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like that's the reason why because I grew up being so intimidated by them but just like always felt like that was not something that I could like approach or be good at this might be more relevant to like podcasty stuff but I feel like a big reflection I've been having now is that like when I was when I was in college because it's really weird because I think I'm going to start saying when I was in college, which is like in and of itself a very scary thing. I know. So I'm graduating. And I think that like I've I've started to reflect a lot. This is like a really like moment in my life where I'm starting to just kind of like look back and say, okay, like this is, this is, it's like almost over. And what have I learned from it? And I think like the biggest thing for me is like now, whereas the future used to scare me a lot. I think that what I'm doing and the way I'm feeling is I'm way more excited about trying new things. Mm -hmm. So before it was like, this is what I'm good at. This is my comfort zone. I haven't like, I'm not old enough and I haven't experienced enough to like move past it. And so I'm going to like stick to these things. And I like will later on, you know, learn how to do this or learn how to do that. And I feel like now I'm really, really excited to like have like a blank slate almost and just like start new things. So I'm really excited to learn, you know, a lot more, um, with my photography, I'm a lot more like, I'm a lot. So for example, like for Muslims of the world right now, we're making a website and I was Mm -hmm. like, I want to do the website. And it's like oldie men would never have offered. Oldie men would never have been like, I'm going to make this website. I would be too scared. But I'm just like, listen, I have like the time. I have Mm -hmm. the energy. There's like, don't really know what I'm doing with my life. Like I have, I'm like, you know, leaving this like period of my life and I'm not necessarily where I thought I was going to be. And so it kind of taught me how to like take advantage in the now. And so I'm like super, super excited to just like start learning that and then like gain more skills. And somehow it's crazy because I feel like I thought in college, college would be the time where I would gain like this repertoire, this like toolbox of skills. And I feel like I didn't spend as much time developing those and more so just like using what I already had to like kind of like quote unquote succeed in undergrad. And so, um, yeah, I'm really excited. So, yeah, if you see a Muslim of the World website, I made it. We'll oh, see how okay. it goes, inshallah. I'll definitely check it out. But I think that it's such an exciting – it's a, it's an exciting time. It's a little bit scary, but I pers- – like, I, I do miss school. So I always say, like, I wish I can just go back. Like, I literally would pay just to sit in a classroom because I love – you know, I, I love absorbing knowledge. But I hated the pressure of – getting a grade and like the exams and all that stuff so like you like you said you just kind of are like that's that's kind of what your aim is is just getting by like getting the grades getting the degree yeah and then you do you you kind of stumble or not stumble but you walk into this new um setup in life where you know whether you get a job or you don't but you are you're like okay so what can I do now that I didn't used to do before yeah I think definitely something that people don't talk about is like So I'll just give you the example of like a PhD, for example. So I really consider doing an MD PhD because right now, inshallah, like my track is pre-med. So like Mm -hmm. the goal is in the summer to apply for med school and like take my 
you know, finish everything up and like apply. And then I have like the year to kind of figure out what I want to do, like a gap year, basically Mm -hmm. the most like cliche term I can use. But it wasn't really like a gap year by choice. I think it was kind of just like it happened where I realized like I wasn't in the mental headspace to apply when I needed to apply. And so it's like, it looks like I'm taking a gap year. Like it wasn't intentional, but subhanAllah, I think it was what was meant to be because that realization that like the workforce is something that's so different and, and it stimulates in such a different way than academia does. And I had, so wait, so I had wanted to do an MD PhD because I thought like, Hey, like it's paid for, you don't have to deal with loans. Like I really like the idea of having this like very like research integrated program. But so I spoke with a lot of people. I'm not the biggest fan of being in lab necessarily. So like, it's very, very difficult. I like enjoy research in like theory, but I've spent like, you know, eight years of my life in a lab and I don't really consider them to be like the highlights. And the biggest thing that this person told me that I had like asked about, like he was in this MD PhD program and he was like, if you're just doing it for the money so that you can have it covered, or if you're just doing it to like get somewhere, if you're just doing it to get that PhD and like, you're, you can't do it because for me, academia is limbo Mm -hmm. in a way. Like there's two different kinds of people. There's people that see it as like a limbo. And then there's people that live for it. Mm -hmm. There's people that live for those years where they're like in school, where they're getting their PhD, where they're in undergrad research and and their research. Like that is what is most important to them. So if research or if grad school or whatever is like a means to an end, I feel like sometimes it needs to be a means to an end, right? Like sometimes you need that master's, you need that PhD. You need that title as a doctor. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, you have to do it. But like, if you don't have to do it, don't do it. If, especially if you're going to treat it like a limbo. Mm-hmm. So for example, like I, this, this next year, I was like, I could do a master's, right? Mm-hmm. I could do a master's. So like, for me, that would, that wouldn't necessarily like make or break my like medical school chances. Cause I'd already have applied. It would just be like an additional couple of letters after my name. And so I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I might, would I be in it? And would I be like stimulated? And would I be super, super, super excited about that master's? No, it would just be like a means to an end and another place of like limbo. And so I'm really excited for this next year because I see it as an opportunity to like get out of this limbo and no longer have like these ideas of the future and like take the present into my own control. So like, do I want to work with NGOs? do it now. Mm -hmm. Do I want to like engage in leadership opportunities? Do it now. Do I want to take, you know, the research I learned and make something out of it? You do it now. And so it's like really exciting. Exactly. And so that's the tough thing. But I think our generation is like, we're a little bit more ambitious. And so, you know, you saying you have a year, it's like, yeah, go out and do all that stuff. And especially because you're part of the Muslims of the world team, like, I feel like there are a lot of opportunities for you to do good. And whatever else, I mean, you're in Indianapolis. Yes, 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 so yes. I, I don't know anything much about that. So. <laughs> Nobody knows anything about Indiana. It's great. I'm like been through my own journey of like very much loving this state. So if anyone wants to talk to me about Indiana, yeah. I think like it's my home. And I think I loved I loved falling in love with a city that I'd been in my whole life only very recently. Yeah. And like I think that that came. I don't know. That's like a non sequitur. But <laughs> Um, no, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's very crazy to me because I spoke with every, I don't know. It, I think it's a privilege. Like I think this whole experience of like wanting to find what you want to do and having like gratification, it's like such a privilege. Mm -hmm. And so like, I wonder where that, where like my intentions stop and like the privilege starts in a way. I spoke with like so many people who were in this MD PhD program because I did like an internship summer thing through the program. 
and they were all, every single one of them, it was insane. Every single one of them said the exact same thing to me. And I learned more from those conversations with those students that were like first year, second year than I'd learned from like my entire life of just like meeting professors and meeting like doctors and faculty members and admissions boards, blah, 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 blah. Like they were all like, all I wish I would have done was take a gap year. Mm -hmm. That's all I wish I would have done. And that's like really scary of a thought to me because they were like, once you get into this like system, so once you like for someone who's like pre-professional, once you start like that first year of med school, like the next eight years, 10 years of your life is like done. You're like it's set out for it. you. You've committed to literally 10 years. It's mm -hmm. like, and I'm laughing at like 18 year old man that was like, oh my God, I have to commit to college for four years. Like, listen, like you're about <laughs> to commit to a track for the rest <laughs> of your life. So it's like, so that in and of itself, I question because like, if that's what they regretted the most, that like year of having time to themselves, it's like, was it the right thing to do to commit yourself to 10 years? And right. so then I think like for me having that realization and still wanting to do it, like gave me hope that my intentions in doing this career choice was for the sake of Allah's Prana Thada, mm -hmm. you know, like why? Yeah, I think medicine specifically for me, I've had to like grapple with a lot of identities. So like my Muslims of the world identity and my like you know, early 20s identity as just like a Muslim woman and like what I want in terms of like family and like, you know, my career path and like what I want to be in terms of and then like my medicine identity and all of these different things and recognizing that like, I don't know, they there's so many different opportunities and it's like why I think medicine is so misunderstood out of all of them because I feel like most people kind of see it as like easy or a cop out or, you know, like something that's like fairly predestined in a positive way, like with a positive connotation, like mm -hmm. once you do it, you're set. But I don't think people recognize like how many years of your life you're giving away for something that like gratifies later. And I don't know if it's, I have like a different mentality than my peers, but I have no interest in like making a lot of money when I'm like 35, 40. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like that is of no interest to me. Um, especially if once I start making that kind of money, I can't like use it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa and for like my Muslim ummah and for like the people that need it and be of service to other people. And so if all that time before that, where I feel like I have my youth and I feel like I have my like determination and I have this like drive to want to help people, if you walk into like a medical school and you accept that offer, like you like have almost nearly erased yourself from the map in terms of being able to serve hey, others at least in any exactly at least in any other capacity other than like the way you would serve through med school and through residency like yeah. all of the all of the things that I would love to do and would like the ways I would like to help and the way I would, the way I would like to use my like brain and my heart and my hands to like to like be of service like you almost have that like taken away from you because your whole life is just like studying and your whole life is just like trying to get through it. So it's like really scary for me because I wonder if after this gap year, quote unquote, I like change my mind, you know? And so it's like a very scary thought because it's like short term versus long term. Like is my service, are my qualities and like the characteristics that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed me with and like allowed me the privilege and honor to have like are those better used when I'm 35 years old like being a doctor in a hospital or, or are those better used now right till now, you yeah. know in in some other way and so when you say I don't know it scares you what do you mean like that you might not want to go to med school or your intention would change or what's what is what does that mean you'd be scared I think I think it, I guess like it depends on what like is written for me over this next year but like my short-term goal is to just, like, graduate. My short-term goal is to, like, um, be a contributing mentor member to the Muslims of the World team to really build this platform that I started to, like, not do something halfway. 
So those are like my short-term goals. And my short-term goals are to apply because for me at least, and for my family and for my parents, like I've spent four years of undergrad working towards this goal that my parents never pushed on me. They were like, we don't know why you want to do this, but if you want to do it, do it. Mm -hmm. So now that I've spent like four years striving towards that, at the very least, what I can do is like see it through. Mm -hmm. But like over the year, I would like to count my days and my like hours and see like every single one of them is precious in the way that I can like use them for other people and not for myself. So like, I feel like my biggest regret in college was like every day you wake up and the first thing on your mind is like, I, you know what I mean? Like, what am I going to do? What grade am I going to get? Like what, like what assignment am I going to do? So it was very much like everything that I did benefited me. And there's like the occasional, you know, like active service, there's the occasional like extracurricular, there's the Mm -hmm. occasional like outreach or engagement opportunity that you do but like besides that everything that you do and all of the hours of your day are surrounded by like a very selfish thing which is like the benefit of yourself and so like my goal is and a lot of this has to do with me wanting to achieve like grandiose maybe like (laughs) um non-reachable like unworldly peace in my heart that I haven't really felt and like I'm looking to feel and looking for and hoping that I can get from this year, even though I know like timelines don't really work like that. And being like, I'm going to, you know, take this yeah. year to like find, you know, unworldly peace from Allah's Prantada. But I feel like I would love to see, I would love to feel, I would love to spend a year where like my hours are dedicated to someone else. And like, I wake up and then my first thought is like, how am I going to spend these hours? And these hours are booked in this day for someone else where it like doesn't necessarily directly benefit me. And I wonder just from my experience with other people that I admire, like my mentors, people that I admire who have, who do live their life like this. Like, it's almost like a high that like you can't get off of like once you start. And so it's going to be interesting for me to see like coming out of this, how, if I'm willing to kind of go back to a very like internally centric, like focused lifestyle, which is basically like your entire medical school and then into your residency. Is this is this something you've you you were thinking about all throughout college? It seems very deep. Or is it something that you, it kind of slowly built up as you were realizing, okay, I'm graduating and I'm getting to this new point in my life, this pivotal point. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. 
I think it's very recent, which is really crazy. I because I feel I, like I experienced something similar, but not to that extent. And I know for sure not while I was like in the beginning stages of like my college career. Yeah, I think like I used to. I used to not believe that like a heart could change really, really fast. Um, and I still don't think to a certain extent that it can change really fast. Like I think that like something that I believe it was Will Smith, which sounds really hilarious, but he said something along the lines of hey, like, he says a lot of great things. He Follow does. On okay. Okay. So <laughs> I don't, I don't, but I saw this in like a yes theory video, which by the way, to all of you people listening, like follow yes theory. Um, they have like an incredible like YouTube channel and platform mm-hmm. where they really like, they get to the heart of a lot of things while also like doing some fun. So it's like still a fun channel, but they really get to the heart of like what it means to say yes to things and to live your life. Yeah. Like in a non-traditional way, I guess. So they were with Will Smith and he said like, you never learn from doing. And I think that that's so counterintuitive to most people because we do things to learn, right? Like Hmm. growth, growth comes like we're, we're supposed to grow when we like, embark on this new challenge or this experience or whatever, whatever, but you will never grow from those. And this is like from my experience and what he said, like, I'm, this might not be the case for everyone, but you will not grow from the action of doing and from the constant fast paced motion of whatever it is that you're embarking on or experiencing. The growth comes from the quiet moments mm. you take after. And so I think for me, what I've experienced recently, like very recently in a short period of time is a long slow, quiet moment of kind of like sitting with myself and being with myself. So like the tour sort of like ended for me for, for like a little bit. And I like had finished, you know, this year and a half long journey of writing the book. I went through a very like emotional roller coaster, um, after like my third year of college where I was like deciding if I was going to like apply to med school, chose not to do that for like mental health reasons. So in those moments all summer, even though in my head, I was like at home, had just got back home, was like supposed to be in a quiet, slow moment in my head. I was still like doing, doing, doing like I'm studying and I'm going to take this exam and I'm going to do this application and it didn't work out, but it was still like doing a lot of things and then like going on this tour and still doing and doing and doing. And then finally like taking a step back and being like, okay. And it wasn't intentional. Like it just ended up happening where I had, I didn't have all of these like thoughts and experiences, like thoughts racing in my mind and experiences that were happening. And I was just kind of like with myself. And that comes with like a little bit of loneliness and a little bit of like this unnamed sorrow that sort of comes when you stop and have to like sit with your heart and sit with yourself. I feel like that's why we tend to like fill our life with people and with experiences because they're distractions so when you get rid of the distractions once you kind of like get through that like plateau of like wow like I I don't like how I'm feeling right now necessarily and then you start to reflect on all of those doing that's when I really grew a lot in a way that I never did even while I was like doing all of these like amazing things and experiencing all these different things which is funny because I'm sure looking from the outside most people would assume that not much is going on and that like you're feeling very fulfilled by all these amazing things that you're doing and the fact that your book has just launched and you know speaking of the book which we'll get into more details about that um how that all started up but you're exactly right like I I was trying to figure out you know what you were meaning behind everything that you were saying but the exact same thing kind of happened to me but it was more so and again it happens unintentionally like yeah it was entirely unintentional and I think subhanallah that's like because you know when when you're when you're dealing with a lot or you're dealing with a lot of anxiety you're overwhelmed especially like I'm a type a personality I tend to like overthink and I also take on a lot more than I should and 
Um, you know, you ask. Uh, mean. Yeah, <laughs> girl. Literally me. Yeah. Like Sajad, who's like the co-author of this book. Yeah. Um, he's like, Iman, you need to stop promising things like you can't deliver on. That's and me. I think that that. And like, and it's almost like, and I was like, and I had this fear of failure, but I was perpetuating my own fear of failure by putting things on my plate that I, that I was like, knew I couldn't handle and ended up like, it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy where I was like, I'm afraid I won't like be able to like accomplish these promises, but still over promising and then not accomplishing them. And then like feeling like a failure all over again when it's like being okay with yourself and being okay with, Hey, I like say no to this, might not be able to do this. My worth is not in these accomplishments. It's like a very, um, it seems like it would be very easy to do, but it's very difficult for people like us. It's very difficult, especially because for me, I feel like, you know, I don't want to miss an opportunity and mm-hmm. I don't want to regret not doing something later on. But I think the 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 point behind all of this is sometimes you have to take a step back and see how much of that can you take on. Because if you can, like, great, like, do it. It's a great opportunity. But if you can't and your mental health state is like, pretty rocky where you are feeling overwhelmed or you have like maybe even personal things happening at home then you shouldn't because really it's just going to heighten everything and make it worse Um, but that time alone is so important and I tell younger you know young young girls that I talk to or even like my younger sister who's 21 like being alone is not a bad thing like it's actually Mm -hmm. such a blessing even if sometimes you feel alone in in the sense of like you don't think a lot of people might understand what you're going through. You don't feel like you can open up to someone because you might think that they think whatever you're saying doesn't make sense. Um, and, you know, personal experience of mine, I feel like in the end, like honestly, and this might sound cliche, but like you speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you just get this like like calmness that overcomes you. And you just kind of have to sit there and like reflect about everything that you're dealing with. And then it's like one day at a time. And then it just kind of, figures itself out you know and I feel like that's in my experience the way God has answered my prayers in terms of like things that I was dealing with like it it was never like a direct response where if I wanted something to happen it happened it was more like he gave me the strength or the the clarity to understand it and to overcome Mm -hmm. it either by understanding what I needed to do in that situation or you know walking away from it but speaking of that I think like right now and and I hope inshallah that I can like back on this conversation and like be thankful that I had this like reflection and that I might have been on the right track. But for me, I've also, and I think that this, this comes from like what you were talking about before about like how it seems quite deep. And it really is because right now, a lot of my, um, personal growth has been on the same, like has been parallel to my like spiritual growth. Yeah. And so like very recently that has been like a really, really big part of my life and a really, really important part of my life. And so it, my own personal reflections tend to be a bit more profound, I think. Um, but the, the hardest thing for me and what I'm learning in this place that I'm in right now was that as someone who has been blessed to be like in a very loving Muslim family and to be surrounded by like a really great Muslim community, I, I was able to rationalize and like had heard enough this idea of like hands up, right? Hands up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you pray, if your heart is postured towards him, like you will be alone, but you won't be lonely. Yeah. And you will and you will be content in your own self and, and, and the fact that you are like dignified because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created you. And you will find worth in your faith and in yourself and in your deen and not necessarily in people or things. Yeah. So like I knew these things. 
But there's a big difference between knowing these things and like actually feeling them. And I think like that was very, always very difficult for me was I would go through periods of like learning from others and hearing other people's reflections and like understanding them logically, but like not being able to like make my heart feel like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad said this to me. I, I, um, I remember when we launched the Muslims of the world book, I shared this with like a very large audience, but it was still, it was, and still is a very personal thing to me, which is that my dad said to me, I remember like at the beginning of my third year, I had just come back from like being abroad over the summer. And he said to me, Iman, I feel like Islam is in your head, but it's not in your heart. And I think like that was very profound for me because I had like prided myself on being very like educated about my faith mm-hmm. and like knowing a lot more than like the average person. But then there was the, but then there would be someone who like knew so much less about this Islam, this beautiful religion, but like their heart was so connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that mine never was. Mm. And so like, I knew these things, but I would just like be so frustrated because I didn't know how to translate. I was like, I wish, you know, I would love to have this like godly like peace in my heart i would love to have like any hardship like befall me people leave me experience like expectations not be met and still be content like that is the goal that is the dream but like how do you achieve that and i think that like the hardest part for most people is is going back to what like that quote that will smith said going back to like the idea of those quiet moments and being with yourself and like in that moment only then can you like start to find that like relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like in the movement in the fast-pacedness in like the constant like distraction you will not find it right like you won't but then when you and this is just like from my personal experience when I would fall back from that I would be so consumed by the despair and be so consumed by like the loneliness and the sadness that it left no other it left no room for like me to like look anywhere else. Like I was looking only, I was so focused on my like sadness that I couldn't look up. Like I couldn't look down or like put my hands out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so I think that, oh, sorry. Don't you you think, no, no, no. Everything that you're saying is just like, it's, it's very powerful. I think like what, the first thing that comes to my mind when you're saying this, because again, I think a lot of what you share is experiences I've had, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it, um, on some level. But I recently, like this year, like I, I always feel like I was good with my salah, but I think that we, like for me personally, there's definitely moments where I'm just like, it's really rough. And I feel like this was the first year in a really long time that I understood the power of salah and why it is considered a pillar of Islam. Because for me, it's like, it's times in your day when you're in like that busy, just kind of your everyday movement to reorient yourself and it's it is a time where you kind of are alone and you're able to re- reflect and i mean granted like you have to have the khushu and like actually you know sit and mm-hmm. pray it's not like just something you kind of like do quickly which you know mm-hmm. i do as well and those mm-hmm. are the moments that i do feel like i've missed an opportunity to have that moment to reorient myself and to mm-hmm. kind of have that um alone time and i've noticed that yeah i can have all the education on islam i can go out and, and be publicly um, a good Muslim in the way that I dress and the way that I act and, and all these things are important but at the end of the day you do feel like an emptiness and I think what your dad said was just so so important about like it not being in your heart and I feel like that's why prayer is so important and I know that mm-hmm. a lot of people you know um, it, me myself too like you know we put so much focus on how we treat other people in our engagement with others because 
that is a huge thing that's going to weigh heavy on our shoulders, you know, when we pass. It's like, how did we treat other people? And are they going to forgive us? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, you know, Arham al-Rahmin, and He will forgive us mm -hmm. for maybe the things that we um, slacked on in terms of our deen, our prayer and stuff. But um, I almost feel like it's more, for, you know, and they say it's more for us than it is for Him when we pray. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And so to me, Salah It's only for us, yeah. is it not? I don't yeah. think it's for Him at all. He doesn't need it. Yeah, no, He doesn't need it. And so yeah. to me, that's where um, I notice when I'm on my Salah and it's, you know, intentional, that's when I feel like Islam is in my heart because no one knows whether I'm praying or not. And it's just yeah. a moment that I have with God. And that's more powerful to me than if I'm out doing something publicly as a Muslim and people are saying like, oh, you're such a role model, role model for Muslim women. Or like, you know, you get messages from people who might say like, it's really amazing what you're doing and stuff. Like that stuff is great, but there's nothing like when you do something and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows yeah. about it. And I think it's really important to talk about Hushor because for me... Oh, yeah. I think, like, my biggest struggle with Salah was never, like, find, not, I mean, like, finding a time is hard, but, like, that was never, like, when I, like, really looked and, like, looked back at myself and, like, said, hey, Iman, like, what is the real reason that you're not praying on time or you're not making, like, all your Salah? Mm -hmm. And I know that it wasn't that I didn't have time because, like, you can really pray almost anywhere and, like, you can make the time for your five daily Salah. Yeah. I think for me, it was, like, I was, I was, like, I don't have Hushua when I'm praying. So, like, what is the point, right? Yeah. And so I think that, like, people, if you believe that just, like, the action of praying five times a day is going to bring you that hushur, like, I don't think it is. And that's why I think Islam has five pillars. And that's why I think, like, you have to look at things from, like, mind and body and soul. Because for me, when I focus on my salah, right, in combination with, like, praying to Allah from, like, from, like, a non-five daily prayer perspective... Like going to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in times of sadness and yeah. asking him and like and really like orienting my my like daily actions and my thoughts and my feelings and orienting them towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I think I got so much more out of my prayer. Mm -hmm. And so like I tried for a really long time when I was in college to like every single time I felt like my deen was lacking, I would be like, Okay, I'm gonna like really, really be strict with my five daily prayers. But I didn't feel that hushur because like once I left the salah and was back within those distractions, I just, like, continued to put my, like, worth in other places, continued to, like, um, like, didn't believe that if I, like, asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala something that, like, anyone was actually listening or that it would actually be answered. Mm -hmm. And, like, all of these, so it's, like, it, I feel like it's so important because if you just, if you just have this, like, spiritual, you know, 180 and you decide, okay, I'm going to put my heart and my, like, mind and my body with Allah but you don't like add to it dhikr the remembrance like remember me I will remember you mm -hmm. like if you don't take the time to do the five daily remembrances like basically one or the other alone doesn't work I feel like and yeah, so yeah, like definitely and that's yeah and I think that's what I like think is so incredible about Islam and in the way that like while it is very simple I think that when you learn about like the five pillars of Islam and the five pillars of Iman and really a lot of what the Sunnah teaches there are so many different small things that we are asked to do that we are asked to refrain from and I think it really is because um, Islam works on all angles and so like you're treating your heart and you're treating your body and you're treating your mind with with respect and you're orienting them all towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I think that's like the only way that your heart postures towards him because I don't know, for me, like, the biggest thing I've learned is, like, I have no control over my heart, and it's, like, very scary. Mm -hmm. 
because I've always like, I'd see people that are like in love and like, you think it's like super, super easy, right? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, look at these people in this movie. They're in love. Like they met and she like thinks he's the world. He thinks she's the world, but like in real life, like, it's not that easy to meet someone and no. feel that, right? And so, like, you see someone who's, like, in sujood and is, like, tears are streaming down their face and they're in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you see that and you're like, I want that. But it's, like, not that easy to, like, feel that. Like, you want it, but you can't feel it necessarily. And so I think that, like, that made me realize that, like, we have been given all of these tools that, like, all together, salah, dhikr, like, sadaqah, like all of these different things and that like in from the stuff that you know exactly that will distract yeah, you that will distract you as well. those things all together can help your heart move in that way and so that's like the biggest thing that i would like if i could tell other people it would be like if you want if you want that if you want to be able to just like kneel and like put your hands up to allah's parent and really feel feel that like unworldly peace like you're gonna have to like get through the hump you're gonna have to get through that hard part of feeling alone and feeling sad and feeling like your mind is like against you and feeling like with all of those distractions gone like you can't focus on anything but like yourself and how you might not be happy or content like you you have to move past that and then there's like this empowering thing like this empowering feeling of getting through that sadness and then you like never go back yeah but it's really hard to get through that it's really really hard to get through that Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening in to part one of my conversation with Iman Mahui. Please stay tuned for part two where we continue the conversation and talk about the Muslims of the World book.